thank you for today. Thank you, God, for waking us up. And thank you, God, for the sunshine that's here in Charlotte. We're grateful for this very moment and that you've allowed for things to move out of the way for us to spend time with you at this very moment. It's an unorthodox way, God. On a Monday at noon, we have a million things to do, God, but we have made intentional time at this moment to just bask in your presence. God, we ask that you come in the mist. Come into our hearts, God. Speak to us. Move us. Deposit something in our spirit, God. You know our need. You know what we're in prayer for, God. So at this very time, whether it's uh, via Facebook, God, or over the phone, God, talk to each and every woman or man that is tuned in, God, to reach you. God, we ask that you be the words for Deborah Ross, God, and speak, to her, speak through her and use her, God, as the vessel that she is for you. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to bring up Miss Deborah Ross. Now, we were introduced from a great friend of mine, Amelia. She's a good friend of yours, and me and Amelia work together. And she's like, you just need to meet this woman. And what's amazing about her, first of all, is her story and her openness to share it. Sometimes we go through things in life, and until you've really reached that place of understanding, you kind of hold back that testimony. But there is a power in a testimony. There is power in what you've been through and your struggles and your overcoming. And what I love about Miss Deborah is her transparency in that. The second you hear it, you start to say, oh my gosh, I can relate. There, there, and there. She is a woman just like all of us, and we go through ups and downs. And the beautiful thing is her obedience to God, and she's saying yes to everything that God places before her. So I'm excited for her to be here today. She was our speaker for Stolen Weekend and went and just blew all of us away. And again, I asked, I said, can you come and lead our women? Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll be there. I am grateful for your yeses. Thank you so much for your servant leadership. And I say servant leadership with, with true emotion behind it because you serve God in all that he's asking of you, but you are a leader and I look up to you and I'm so grateful for you to be here today and deposit something into all of us. Please, ladies, put your hands together for Miss Deborah Ross of Deborah Ross Ministries. Okay, well, I'm excited to be here, and this is kind of new for me with all this technology, so you just got to tell me where to stand and where to look and all that stuff, and I'll get it straight in a minute, okay? <laughs> so anyway, before we get started, um, don't do this now, but after the Bible study is over, you can find me at DeborahRossMinistries.org, and that's D-E-V-O-R-A-H-R-O-S-S Ministries.org. And I will tell you that the books that I have here today, um, we have them on special on my website and also on special here today. Um, this book, which is my story, is called Healing a Broken Marriage. If you'll notice on the front of the book, um, the, mar- the couple is upside down. And on the back of the book, the couple is right side up. And that's because um, my husband and I were married for 18 years and we were upside down. And uh, I'm going to share just a tiny bit of that story today, but you can get the whole story right here. I mean, the whole truth and nothing but the truth right here. So um, this book sells for twelve ninety nine on Amazon, but I've got it on my website. I think it's nine ninety nine for probably that ten dollars, and so it's ten dollars here today as well. No shipping, no tax, just flat ten. Um, and then we're also doing the study today out of Woman to Woman, the Naomi and Ruth experience. And this is a 28-lesson Bible study. Um, we created this to be a mentorship Bible study. But you can do it by yourself if you, you know, if you don't have somebody to either mentor you or somebody to mentor. You can do it by yourself. 
Um, but, you know, if you do have a friend that wants to do it with you, that would be really good because then you can talk about the lessons. And you can talk about, you know, well, I don't understand this or this is what God's telling me here or this is what I'm, you know, just kind of sensing. What do you think about this? And just kind of, you know, let the Holy Spirit work through each of you. That would be great. Um, there's 18 contributing writers for this book. This book sells for, um, I think it's $16.99 on Amazon, and I have it on my website right now for $13, and I, we also have it here today for $13 as well if you want a copy. So um, we've got a special, and that's no shipping and no tax. So um, the first lesson that we're doing today is actually on page 19 of this book, and uh, it's called God's Love. But before we get into that lesson, I'll share with you a little bit about myself so you'll know who I am. So... Um, well, first of all, like Jacinda said, we did meet each other, oh, maybe hmm, nine months ago, a year ago, something like that. And I just love this woman. I love her. I mean, God is doing so much through her and, and Fly Tie as well. I just I love them together. I love them individually. They're dynamic. The dynamic duo, that's what they call us. Me and my husband go do prison ministry every three months, and they call us the dynamic duo. So I'm going to call you all the little dynamic duo. How's that? <laughs> so uh, anyway. But, um, you know, and I'm so thankful that she's invited me here today. And um, so my husband and I, you know, we are happily married. We've, we've been married for 33 years. Um, I know, I don't look it. Now, come on now. Give me, give me some love. Give me some love. <laughs> so anyway, you can say those things when you get to be 54. Okay, so whatever. Okay, so, um, but anyway, but when we first got married, um, we were both lost. And, um you know, we we didn't know. We didn't know what a marriage was supposed to be like. You know, we were in love. You know, we were 22 and in love, and that's all we needed was love, <laughs> you know. So we got married, and for the first six years, we were both lost, and he had a pawn shop, and I had three dance studios, and, you know, life was pretty good. But, you know, for me, I grew up um, in a broken home uh, at the age of nine, and um, I always wanted a man of my own. I always wanted, well, I wanted my dad, first of all. But my dad wasn't there. You know, I saw him once a year. So, um, so when I met my husband and we married, you know, in my, in my mind, I'm thinking, in my heart, I'm thinking, okay, finally I've got a man of my own. I mean, life has got to be so perfect now because I've got my man, you know. And, but we were both lost. And so for six years, you know, we were just floating along, just doing what everybody does. But we were just, you know, empty, I guess you would say. So God... Um, called me into the kingdom, and that's another whole story. It's in the book. I don't have time to tell the whole thing because this is like 144 pages, okay? So, but, um, but God sent people into my life and introduced me to the kingdom, and I became a born-again Christian uh, around 1990. And God just radically changed me, radically, radically. I mean, I, I call myself like Saul who became Paul. I mean, I literally, it's like one day I was like eating the tequila out of the bottom of the you know, tequila, eating the worm, excuse me, out of the bottom of the tequila bottle. And the next day, I was like wanting to get on the housetops and shout Jesus. I mean, because I was just radical, radically saved. And so my husband was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I got baptized when I was 13. So he would go to church with me every Sunday um, from that point on. But he was not a Christian. And I didn't know it because I was a baby Christian. <laughs> so, you know, we just cruised right along for the next 12 years. And uh, I was saved, born again, and he was what he will now tell you is a counterfeit. Um, at that time, he thought he was the real thing, you know, but he, he thought because he had gotten baptized when he was 13 that he was a Christian. But, you know, 
as God began to open my eyes about, you know, what being a Christian really is and, and um, his word, how his word teaches us, you know, about the fruit of the spirit and so forth, um, God began to show me that my husband was not saved. And we were like oil and water. I mean, we were like repelling really bad because he wanted to do one thing and I wanted to do another thing. You know, we were in love, but we were just going two different directions. And so I began to pray for his salvation. And uh, things got worse, much worse, before they got better because the kingdom of darkness does not want anybody to be saved. And so, you know, um, the devil fought hard because my husband thought he was a Christian. He was counterfeit. And people that, people that think they're saved, they don't need a Savior. You ever thought about that? If you think you're saved, you don't need a Savior. So you're not looking. So he's in church sitting, you know, pretty every Sunday like everything's cool, okay? So anyway, so... Um, but when, when I began to pray for salvation, God began to really just let himself destruct. And, you know, I had spent up until this point, um, well, 18 years of marriage, basically, pulling him in my red wagon of protection, okay? So it's like, you know, I made sure that he was at church on Sunday with his suit on. I made sure that, that his reputation stayed good, even though he was drinking and smoking pot and doing different things, you know. Um, I made sure that he looked good, and that's what a wife should do. But there came a point where the Lord says, you know what, you've got to give him to me. You've got to quit being his mother, and you just got to be his wife. Because I was trying to be everything, you know. And it scared me because I knew if I let go of him, he would self-destruct. And he did. He self-destructed. Now, it didn't have to be that way because God was always calling him into the kingdom. But some people are hard-headed. You know, and people that think they're saved, they don't need to, they don't need to be saved. So... So he began to self-destruct, and through that, took the whole family down with him. And so just the short version is this. There was, you know, pornography. There was uh, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, uh, gambling, um, adultery, all kinds of things, okay? And so, but I'll just kind of jump to the punchline. Um, in, in the deepest, darkest moment of my despair, the deep, deepest, darkest moment when I thought my life was over, but God, but God. And God saved his soul, not only saved his soul, but gloriously saved his soul. He is a born-again, spirit-filled man of God. We do prison ministry together now. He does addiction recovery ministry. He goes to Charlotte Rebound uh, once a month and preaches the gospel and um, gives to the kingdom, and he's just on fire for Jesus in a big way. You know, but then I had to forgive him. And so I hope I can come back another time and talk about forgiveness because that's a big piece. But today I came to talk about the love of God, God's love, because it was God's love that drew him into the kingdom, and he will tell you this today. You know, I asked him, I said, you know, what made you choose me after you had been with this other woman? And he said, because I saw something in you. You know, it, you know, it wasn't the way I looked. You know, the other woman was a lot younger. It was what was inside. He said, I saw what was inside of you. You're beautiful. Here's what he said. He said, you are beautiful on the inside and the outside. That's what he said. You're beautiful on the inside and the outside. And that's what drew him. And so and I, that's God's love because there's nothing in me that's beautiful except God. You know, inside of me is just flesh, and flesh is enmity against God. So just like everybody else out there, you know, and just like all of us in here, we're all enemies of God until we surrender to God because we all want to do the wrong thing. You know, what do the babies say when they're first born? They say, no, no, no. They say, mine, mine. (laughs) 
And so that's the way we all are. We're selfish, you know. And so only through God can we shine the light of God when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. So we're talking today about God's love, and it's page 19 of the Woman to Woman book, but we're not, not actually doing it from the book right now. Oh, this looks like it could trip me. We're going to move that over. <laughs> um, so we're not actually going to do it from the book. The book is going to be an extension of today's study. Um, and what I want to start with is this. Um, in Genesis 1.1, our Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you look in a, now in your, in your English Bibles, it says God, okay? But if you look up the big G, the little O, and the little D, and what that really means, if you'll notice in your English Bible, sometimes you'll see a big G, a big O, and a big D, and sometimes you'll see a big L, a big O, and sometimes it's little, you know, and you're like, okay, what's the difference? Okay, so if you see the big G, the little O, the little D, it means L-O-M. Okay, and Elohim is the name of God. It's Elohim. E, it's on your papers, I think. E L I L O E L O H I M. Excuse me. E L O H I M. And so it says, in the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. And so, what we know about God's character, God's names reveal His character. Okay, so. When you're studying and you start to learn all these names of God and you're thinking, oh, man, I wish I could recite all the names of God because they're so cool, you know, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, you know, Jehovah Nisi, and you think about all these names. But it's not really about the name. It's about the character. So it's like if you say, I know Deborah Ross, well, if you just know my name, you don't know anything about me. But if you know Deborah Ross, the Christian author, then you know something about my character. Or if you know Deborah Ross, you know, who came over to your house and had lunch with you, you know something about my character, okay? And so when you know L-O-M, it's not just about God's name, a fancy name. It's about his character. And it means, here it means he's the creative covenant God. Creative covenant God. So we can read this like this. In the beginning, the creative covenant God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when you say covenant, covenant is I will love you in spite of. Contract is I will love you until. And so many times we try to put contract into our marriage, and that is not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to put covenant in our marriage. I will love you in spite of, not I will love you until. Mm-hmm. So God says, he, will, he says, I will love you in spite of. And so if you go back to, um, if you look at Hebrews, I'll just read this out to you if you don't have your Bible. It's Hebrews 11, excuse me, Hebrews 6, 13 through 14. This is the Amplified. It says, for when God made the promise to Abraham, he swore an oath by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. You see, in the beginning, God had a plan before anything was ever created. When it was just God, and there was chaos, and there was nothing. So when he says, in the beginning, the creative covenant God created the heaven and earth, what, what that means is that the covenant God had a plan. He had a plan to multiply us and to bless us from the very beginning. And, you know, if you look at, um, if you look at Genesis 126, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Now, this is Genesis 126. It says us. It doesn't say let me. It says let us. 
that tells me that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were there in the beginning. And I just imagine in my sanctified imagination that they all said this. They Put your hands up. Give me a hand. Okay, everybody put your hand together. So here's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, giving a Holy Ghost high-five handshake saying, you know what? Yes, we're going to create man in our image, and we're going to love them no matter what. Okay, that's it. So in the very beginning, God had a plan, and he made an oath with himself. Okay, he made an oath with himself. And so I want to show you in Genesis 1 how God calls us very good, and he's always trying to get us to that very good state. So um, if you've got your Bibles and you want to open up to verse 9, it says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. And then we go on and we read, Verse 12, it says, And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And then we go down to verse 17, it says, And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And then we go down to verse 21. And God created great whales and great living creatures that move and which the waters brought forth abundantly uh, after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then we read and it says, verse 25, And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay, and then we're going to skip down to verse 31. And verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, here's the thing. Right above that, it says that he actually created um, – let's go back. Let's go back. I skipped something. I need to, This is very important. So verse 26 says, And let us make man – in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. You see, when God created all the other parts of this world that we live in and all the other creatures and everything that, that we know, he said it's good. But when he got to you and he got to me and he got completed with everything, he said, it's very good. Because here's the thing. God has a special plan for you. He loves you. He's in a covenant relationship with you, not with the whales and the lions and tigers and all that stuff, but with you because you're made in his image. And so you're supposed to take dominion over this earth. You know, dominion is, is like a, a very powerful thing. You're supposed to really take charge of this earth and command things in this earth as the ambassador of God, okay? He's, he's given you power on this earth to be his spokesperson, okay? Um, and so he, he called it very good. And he wants us to be in that very good state. In the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. It was perfect. So very good to us would be perfect. That's the way it was. 
But, you know, there's an enemy of our soul who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and he will stop at nothing. And so the devil, you know, creeps in, and he tries to shake everything up so that we won't be very good anymore. We're still very good. We still are very good, but we don't think of ourselves as very good because we sin, and then we don't identify with God. We hide from God because we're ashamed. Whereas if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, and then we can come boldly to the throne. But instead, our human nature, we all do it, we sin, and the devil knows this, and he's tricky, he's cunning. So he may get us to do a little tiny something. It might not be a big sin. It might be just a little something, you know, a little white lie or just a little rudeness or a little something, just a little something. Or it could be big. It could be a, a, a vice or it could be a um, an addiction, you know, or just bitterness, hatred, I don't know. You know, but the devil works his way in, and he gets us so that we're ashamed. We're ashamed to go to God because we feel dirty. And so God still calls us very good, but we call ourselves dirty, right? And so God's trying to get us back to that very good state where we agree with him, where we agree with him. And really just, you know, confessing our sins and, and, and coming to him with, um, and telling him the truth because he already knows it. He already knows what's going on. We just need to confess it so that we can get clean and get free, and come to him boldly to the throne and, and be in that very good state because that's where he wants us all the time. He loves us. Now, the covenant creative Elohim takes what is lost in darkness, broken in chaos and confusion, and he recreates it to make it new again. Elohim takes what is lost in darkness, in chaos, broken and in confusion. And he recreates it. You see, when you become born again, you're recreated. You're born again. You know? You're, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so God doesn't just put Band-Aids on us. He recreates us. He changes our thinking. He changes our heart. He changes our desires. He recreates us. And so the covenant LOM makes all things new. The covenant creative Elohim makes what appears to be destroyed. Now listen to this. He makes what appears to be destroyed. It appears to be destroyed. He makes it to evolve from worthlessness to good to very good. You see, sometimes with God, things are a process. Sometimes he does things suddenly. Many times in the Bible you'll read suddenly and it's like, boom, boom, it just happens. You know, and you feel like, wow, how did this happen? But then sometimes he does things little by little. And we can't get weary in well-doing. We can't get discouraged in waiting on the fullness of the promise. We have to, you know, be at peace and occupy while we're going through something sometimes to get to that very good state. So he takes what is, looks like it's absolutely destroyed and worthless, and he makes it good, but he's working to get it to very good, which is really that state of perfection. He's working to get it to very good. And he's always working. And Can you hold this for a second? Okay, so I like to do this. He's always working. Okay, so this just makes me think of God working. He's always working. So if you ever get in a place where you think, oh, where is God? I just feel like nothing's going on. I'm just in the pit. I just, oh, the world is so heavy and I just can't even get out of bed. Just do this. Just say, you know what? God's working. God's working. He's working. He wants me in very good. And not only does he want you in very good, but he wants your husband. 
and very good. He wants your children and very good. He wants your parents and very good. He wants your relatives, your aunts, your uncles. He wants everybody and very, very good. So if there's somebody that you're praying for, you know, especially when we pray for those in our household, it's so difficult when we live with them day in and day out and just the, you know, the wages of sin, the burden of sin in the household and that oil and water going on in our household, it's hard. I know I've been there. I was there for 18 years. I know. It's hard. But, you know, but God's working. And we have to put our faith and our trust and our hope in God because God wants everybody saved. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants for all to come to everlasting life. Okay? Now, our job is to be patient in the waiting, and that's where we don't want to do that so much. We want to bail. You know, we're like, this is not for me. I want to get on with it. I'm done, you know. But we've got to, we've got to just trust him during that time of, of being uncomfortable, that time of waiting, that time of just, you know, the oil and water, that time of whatever's going on that just feels like you're in the pit. Because you, the joy of the Lord is not contingent upon my circumstances. The joy of the Lord is that river of living water that flows from my innermost being that is going to flow through me if I stay in his word and I worship him it's going to flow no matter what's going on. You know, even if I don't have enough money to pay my bills, even if I, you know, am wondering where my husband is, even if I'm, you know, my children are sick, you know, I've got joy because I know that LOM is for me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? He loves me and he's always working. He's always working to get things to very good because he loves me. Okay. Um, because God loves his creation, he desires to preserve them. Genesis six seventeen through 18 in the Amplified says, For behold, I, even I, will bring a flood of waters on earth to destroy all life under the heavens in which there is the breath and spirit of life. Everything that is on the land shall die, but I will establish my covenant. Everybody say covenant. And a covenant is a solemn promise, a formal agreement with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your three sons, and he's talking to Noah here, but this is for us too. God wants us to come into the ark. He wants us to come into the ark, and that is his covering of salvation. You know, um, I used to think of salvation as being heaven or hell uh, before I became a Christian. I mean, that's all I knew. You know, well, nobody wants to go to hell, so one day I'm going to get saved because I want to go to heaven, right? (laughs) But one day, I'm going to live first. (laughs) Okay. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because what God really wants to do is he wants to put us under this umbrella of salvation. And salvation is more than just heaven. Salvation begins now. He says he wants us to have life more abundantly now and in the life to come. Okay? So salvation is actually deliverance. It's healing. It's health. It's, um, it's uh, deliverance. It's prosperity. It's all that good stuff. So when we get in the ark, get in the ark, get in, get in our salvation in the secret place and get in the ark and the rains come down, the floodwaters come up and life just goes crazy, we're protected because we're in that secret place. We're in there with God and he is for us. He's a good God and he has very good for us because that's his plan. So it doesn't matter what kind of chaos is going on, he's always working for you he's working for you but the secret is the secret to the secret place (laughs) is that we've got to pursue him and we've got to come to him with our whole heart everybody say whole heart 
Yeah, see, so many times we want to give him some of our hearts because we want his benefits, but we don't want to really obey, you know? So it's about giving him our whole heart and saying, Lord, help me to obey you. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Help me, God. I want to obey you. Help me. You know, teach me. Forgive me when I mess up and strengthen me so I can do better, you know, and help me to believe you. So so he wants to get us in the ark. He wants to give us the full benefits of our salvation, all that good stuff. Okay, so then, um, okay, God's love is unconditional. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God loves us in spite of us. He loves us in spite of us. He didn't have to send Jesus down here to die for us. He could have just said, you know what, these people are crazy. We're just going to start destroy all of them and start over again. Because, I mean, he has the power to do that. <laughs> you know, he didn't, have to, he didn't have to do that. But he said he has a covenant he has a covenant plan for his creation, for man who's made in his image. And he's always working because this is his creation. This earth is his. Those trees are his. The grass is his. The birds are his. Everything is his. And he's always working to bring things into that very good state because it's his. So it doesn't matter what the devil does. It doesn't matter what man does, you know. Because God is in charge, and he's always working. He's always working. He's always working. Okay, um, I don't want to take up all the time. I want to give you guys some time to talk, but let's just go to this real quick. Um, this is John thirteen thirty four through 35. It says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. You see, we are made in the image of God. And if we're going to be ambassadors for the kingdom, then we need to think like ambassadors. We need to talk like ambassadors. We need to dress like ambassadors. We need to speak like ambassadors. We need to represent him. And he says it's a commandment. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You see, so many times we say we love God, but we hate so-and-so. Mm. Well, that's, that's an oxymoron. You can't do that. <laughs> because if you're made in God's image and you are born again and you're under that umbrella of salvation and you're in him and he's in you, you can't hate so-and-so. You might hate what so-and-so does. They might drive you crazy with what they do, but you don't hate them. And you've got to say, God, help me to love them and help me to see them the way you see them. Help me to go up to the high place and look down and see them the way you see them. Because when I'm down here seeing them on this level, I'm getting all caught up in it, and it's just too heavy, and it's driving me crazy. But take me up to that high place and let me look down this way and see what's going on. And maybe I can understand and have compassion and pity on them and pray for them. So God says that we have to love one another if we're going to be ambassadors in the kingdom. Um, real quick, I, I left some scriptures on your table. We're going to talk about these in just a minute. So, But let me just go over them real quick, and then we'll just open up discussion. Um, love causes us to be obedient. 
Second John 6, it says, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. So love, God's love causes us to be obedient. We're not obedient because we want to be saved, right? We're obedient because we are saved. <laughs> because I am a child of the king and I want to obey my daddy. Because my daddy loves me. And I want my daddy to be proud of me. So I don't obey to try to get saved. I obey because I am saved. And, I, and my daddy loves me. Love causes us to walk in the light of truth. John 3.21 says that he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So when we do truth, we walk in truth, we're in the light. And that's what God wants from us. He's the light, and we're to be little light. And we're supposed to be in truth. Love gives us all things freely, Romans 8, 31 and 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely? Everybody say freely. They give us all things. You know what? Don't get religious on me and try to qualify that. Just receive it. Just receive it. You know? Just receive it. We all have things that we need. We all have things that we want. And he's a good God. You know? Now, I'm not talking about leaving God out of the equation and using him, just wanting his benefits. I'm talking about when you're in him and he's in you and he's your daddy. You know, you go to him and ask him for things. He's your daddy. He loves you. And he knows the season that we live in in 2017. He knows about all this expensive technology and all this stuff we have to have, these cars and all these things, you know. And he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He cares about every hair on your head, everything. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm, I'm going to just let you read over these and open it up because I don't want to take up too much more time. But um, love sings over us. I will read this one. Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. God is singing over you. He's singing over you. And you know Jeremiah 29.11, the thoughts that he has for you are thoughts of peace to do you good and to give you an expected end. God loves you. He loves you. So God's love, ladies, is Elohim. It's a covenant, creative God who takes what's broken and lost and in confusion and chaos and just looks like it's just hopeless. He takes your hopeless situation, your hopeless husband, your hopeless children, your hopeless mind, your hopeless job, whatever it is, and he recreates it, okay? When you get in him and he's in you and you keep your eyes fixed on him and you are persevering. See, persevering, there's no, there's no um, set amount of days of persevering. <laughs> so you can't say, well, I persevered for a week and ain't nothing happened yet. <laughs> no, persevering is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. So I'm going to persevere until I have no more breath. I'm going to walk in faith. I have a favorite saying that I say, I would rather live in faith than to die in fear, doubt, and unbelief. I would rather live, believe, I would rather die believing that I'm going to be healed 
than to live believing that I'm going to be sick. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay, so we got to persevere. We got to take God's word at face value, and we got to say, you know what? I'm going to hold on, and I will not let go until you bless me, God, because I know you're Elohim. You're the covenant creative God who loves me, and you have good plans for me. All right, so we're going to turn this back over to send this to open up the floor. God, I just thank you for your word that's gone forth. I thank you that it does not return void, but it will accomplish that in what you sent to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I was jotting down some questions. Um, so, Ms. Deborah, I'll probably toss the mic back, and I'll also come around this way too. So just kind of recapping, you referenced the covenant, which means forever, all-encompassing. It's not just a contract that is like, I don't feel like dealing with this right now, so I'm going to step out. But that covenant, the second we said yes to God, we went into covenant with God. And I like that you said, if God is for me, who can be against me? But then she also said, give your whole heart. So for anyone who's watching or, or called or called in or even here, our whole heart means all of us, every thought, every nook and cranny. And I think sometimes we say, God, I'm giving you all of me. I really am. I am. But are you? Are there some things, some areas in your life that you're holding on to that you're not ready to just give yet? Are there some things that you've probably never given to God? My question that I want to put on the floor, and we just have a few minutes, but I'd, I really would like to hear what you ladies have to say on this. How do you know if there are some areas in your life that you haven't surrendered to God yet? How do you really know? And, and I say that because in my walk at first, it was drastic changes. It was like, all right, stop smoking weed. Stop having sex with everyone. Stop. Well, only a couple people tie. Only a couple people. We're only like one or two people. But stop. <laughs> stop doing all this crazy stuff. It was like blatant things, you know. But what I realized is after I cut out the blatant things, there were other aspects like uh, loyalty, you know, um, being truthful and honest, um, walking in love. I mean, it just, it seems like never ending. Like every time I, I, I jump over one hurdle of like, I'm fixing this in my life, I'm giving this to God, then there's a whole new set of doors I need to work on. So how do you know if there are still some areas in your life that you need to work on? I want to put that out to the table. Ramona. It's like um, Deborah was saying how we have to come to a realization that we, we are honest with ourselves and we have to admit things. And like you, there are a lot of things that I still find myself um, having to clean up. And so when you get to that point, like, God, I did this already. I did this already. Now I have to do this. You feel um, that uh, guilt. You, you, you feel that guilt. It's like, okay, I still, need to, I still need to work on this. Even though your mindset, I did, I did, your heart is saying something different. Your heart is saying, no, you have not. You need to go back. You need to keep cleaning. You need to go back. God, I did, I worked on this. I, yeah, you worked on it, but not good enough. So I think that you feel that conviction um, to know that you still need to finish cleaning that up. Finish cleaning it up. Who else? Who else wants to share? Ms. Deborah, you want to shine some light on this? Well, you know, when the Holy Spirit taps on our shoulder and says, or taps on our heart, or taps on our mind, or whatever, he taps. And he says, hey, baby, right here, let's work on that, you know. Then I have a choice. I can say, oh, God, I ain't got time to work on that right now. 
you know, I'm cruising right along with my career, whatever I'm doing. I ain't got time for that, you know. But God, God says, we got to work on this before you know the next level. So, you know, you can't expect this from me until you get this straight, you know. And so at some point, I've got to work on this, you know. Um, and it could be little things, but, you know, I see people, I do some counseling too, and I see people, unfortunately, that get a root of bitterness. And you, that's one thing you don't want to get because it's going to be much harder than a little tap to get that root out, okay? You're going to need some deliverance. So when God taps on your heart about something, you know, try to make a lifestyle to be quick to obey or, you know, um, you know, stay, stay with a group of people that will, you know, help hold you accountable. You know, ask people to pray for you, pray over you, read your Bible. I think, you know, as we transform our minds, then, you know, we start to walk in it. So, but if you don't have it in here, the devil can convince you of anything. The devil can convince you it's God's word, and it's not God's word, because he's a liar and a thief. And the only way you can make sure you got it straight is right here, the solid word of God. Yep. And I just wanted to reference that because I think it, it was a beautiful word of sharing God's love. And God loves us no matter how we are, what we've been through, what we are go- going through. But I think every day we strive to be better. We strive to um, be the best we can for Christ. And I think that there's always room for improvement and to be even even better. So how do we tap into some of these unknown areas that we may not know are even there that need work on? So pray about it and listen to those whispers. Listen to those whispers. Well, I do. I want to pass the mic around really briefly. What are you grateful for at this moment? I love ushering in the spirit of gratefulness. I feel like the second you start to say it or even think about it and you hear other people, it just changes everything about you and where you are. So I just want to pass the mic around really briefly. And if you do have a prayer request, please share it at this time, and then we'll make sure we pray for you as we close out. I'm just grateful that God is making me aware of those areas that we've been talking about where I need to be a better person. I've gotten to a point on my journey where, you know, one day I can be like, Motivation and saying all the right things to people and then out of the blue I can just snap and say something so mean and I know it as soon as I say it, like, why did you say that to that person, you know? And I know it's coming from a place of pain, but that doesn't make it any better. So right now I'm just praying about, you know, God, help me to identify where this, where is this coming from. When I say something to a person, I'm glad that I recognize as soon as I say it, that I shouldn't have said it and it wasn't the right thing to say. But I, in order to heal, I need to identify what the source of it is and also just, you know, pray about becoming better. And, and then also, how can I go back? Because I have a specific instance in mind, and there's several, unfortunately, but there's one in particular. I'm like, how do I go back to this person and approach it, you know, to where we can heal and, and recover from this? So that's what's on my mind right now. Just happy that he is helping me recognize those things, but now I'm just praying for how to to overcome those things. I am grateful. Um, God just has me in such a place of peace. Um, he has just really shown himself approved in so many areas in my life just recently. Um, she was talking about the suddenly, and it's amazing how you can have a conversation with God, and it can be weeks ago, it can be months ago, it can be years ago. And sometimes when he does it, you can forget how long it took you to get there because you're so excited about it just happening that you're like, God, it didn't matter how long it took. I'm just so grateful that I'm here right now in that moment. And so um, God has just really put me in a place of peace no matter what the circumstances, no matter what we're going through, no matter what it looks like. 
um, to just be in peace, and I'm so excited about that. Thank you. I would say I'm very grateful for being um, able to listen to God. Um, when I hear him say, this person's in front of you, speak to this person about me, um, and just to help people any way that I can. I, I just There's something that tugs on your heart that says, okay, I need to help this person, and it's not even someone may be asking for help. So I'm happy that I'm in tune with him at this time, and hopefully he stays here with me. He he will, but hopefully I'll keep talking to him. Um, so many things. Um, I felt like I guess my future was looking really, really bleak. I swung out of law school, like I lost my job, like I lost so many things. My relationships with my family members were really broken. God has reconciled like my relationship with my mother, my father. I got accepted to law school, like even though I lost my job, I was able to start a business. Like, I was able to get an internship at the public defender's office. Like, so many things. Like, even the toxic relationship that I had. Like, I found, like, a guy that's, like, perfect in so many ways. We're taking things slowly. Like, there's so many things in my life that God is working on. Like, my friend, like, I have such a strong support system. Just everything. Just incredible. And all I want to do now is just be able to just offer the same blessing and grace that I've been given. So it's just really incredible just the way that God is, has really been working in my life. Good. I am grateful today. Uh, I have a son that has been um, entangled in drugs and alcohol for a long time, and he has been set free as of January the 13th, and I am praising God and uh, just praying for godly friends and counsel and that he would just love God with his whole heart. And so that's my praise today. Hmm. Um, I am grateful, the grateful for um, just the peace of God. Um, people would joke with me about putting on my superwoman cape and trying to save the world and, you know, wanting everybody to be okay. So I'm just grateful that God has given me peace to know that um, whatever state that I'm in to be content and that whatever assignment that he has set before me to do the assignment and to know that it's good, whatever the assignment is. And so and so today um, marks the fourth year anniversary that my mom has passed. And so I just have peace and knowing that, you know, I love God and God loves me. He chose me to be his daughter and to serve him. And so with a servant's heart and a servant's smile, I will serve him until I die. Well, I'm just grateful to be here today with my daughter and to hear your good news and share your joy <laughs> and yours and to meet this little son. Thank you. Yes. Stop. And I love, like, the, the whole time he's, like, happy over here going, did you want to share? Okay. We're grateful that you're here. Kendall, did you want to share? I'm grateful that I'm here. That's it. She says she's <laughs> grateful that she's here. I am grateful that you all are here as well. It's always, um, it's always kind of a question mark when I'm driving here. I'm like, I don't know who will show up, how you heard, 
what was placed on your heart. So it's always just beautiful to see how God works. So I, I'm grateful for this ministry, and I pray that you heard something somewhere that just made you go, yes, thank you, God. So great, just really grateful to be here and grateful for you. But we're going to close out with prayer. Um, can we stand up with me? Okay. okay. I just want my little sister in Christ to pray with me. So I love this girl so much. I love her. I really do. I don't know her that good, but what I know I love. So, um, Lord, we just worship you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you so much, God, for being here among us today. I thank you for every woman and man that has showed up here today for the stolen lunches. Lord, how they've taken their time out of their busy day to come and to just seek you, Lord, with their whole heart. I pray, God, that your word would penetrate their hearts today like never before. Your love, God, about how much you love them, Lord. And, God, that, you know, you know, as things come against us in life, Lord, it's nothing. It's nothing for our daddy our Abba Father. So I just thank you, Lord, for peace as we go about our day, as we go about our week. I thank you for blessing stolen lunches and blessing Jacinda and Flytie, Lord, and everything they put their hands to, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for just increasing them, Lord, and just um, spreading their joy, their love for you in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for tuning in. Be a blessing today. Let God use you. Uh, share this video with someone. We will have it on our podcast page here in the next day or so. Um, we have a, a, um, a Bible study, women's Bible study coming up on uh, forgiveness, and that's when it will tap into exactly what you were talking about today. But get the book. Get the book. Log on to StolenLunches.org and find, call your best friend. Instead of talking about that man in your life, talk about this. Everyone do a lesson every every day, every week, and then talk it over with your sister, and let's learn together. Let's grow together. This is what we're using right now for stolen lunches. But, again, it's for you to do it um, alone or with a friend or with a couple of friends. But we will have Miss Deborah Ross back. She will be doing forgiveness and unforgiveness. Who are you still you know, holding on to that you need to just let go? How do we do that? How do we face those things? So more to come. And uh, don't forget, Stolen Weekend, we have our Bible study tomorrow at 7 p.m., our prayer call on Wednesday, a whole lot going on. We love you. Be blessed. Have a great day.